You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Luke chapter 2, that's going to be where we are anchored in today for our text, Luke chapter 2. And while you're doing that and kiddos are leaving and the offering is finishing up, I'll do a short review of what we've covered this Advent season. In the first week, we looked at the prophecies of Christ and how there were many, many hundreds of prophecies about the coming Christ and his birth from the beginning in Genesis, Genesis 3 being the first one even, uh, all the way up through the last book of the Old Testament. And we looked at even how some smart people, <laughs> I call them smart people, way smarter than me, studied this and put some statistics together of, of what that would mean and that the chance of any one person being able to fulfill all the prophecies that were fulfilled were one in 100 quadrillion. One in 100 quadrillion. That's 10 with 17 zeros. And to put that into a visual perspective, that would be like taking the silver dollar coin covering the whole state of Texas two foot deep. Okay, so that's four Missouris in the state of, basically Texas is about four Missouris. Put into the state. Fill it two foot deep of silver dollars. And then a blind man taken off from Dallas, blind or blindfolded, and picking the exact right coin the first try. That's how impossible you have a better chance of winning the lottery. <laughs> okay? And so we looked at that. We looked at how that was the reason in the, that Christ came, and, and there's so much proof, historical, archaeological evidence of this. We also talked about how Christmas is about the generosity and giving time of year. And the reason why we celebrate it that way, why we do presents, is because of God's gift to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then after that, Tony shared with us about that little tiny, insignificant little town of Bethlehem. A place, as Micah 5.2 says, that's too small even to be considered a clan of Judah. It would be kind of like saying, hey, uh, ginger blue, uh, you know, is not really, a, I don't even know what Missouri, I looked it up once and I forget the name, but uh, it's, it's not even considered a town or a city. It's a, a village or a, I don't know, but it's, it's small. It's there. It's important. There's people who live there that God loves, but it's very small. I mean, it's like, I've not heard of anything coming out of ginger blue, <laughs> Maybe you have. I'd love to hear those stories if you have. But it was a place that Christ was to be prophesied about hundreds of years before. A place that God led the wise men to by way of the star. And I loved one of my favorite parts of Tony's message was his observations about the light from Matthew 2. The light that led the wise men there. That light being a source of whether it was a star or not. People are still debating that today. But his thoughts were that stars are sources of light. Light is necessary for life. 
Jesus was and is the light of the world. That led the wise men to Jesus. And then those who believe he commissions to become lights of the world or messengers of the gospel. And then Khalif last week shared with us about the shepherds giving us a very vibrant experience complete with sound effects and visual effects and even elements with water uh, that we got cleaned up. No worries there, Khalif. You're good. <laughs> but talking about the joy, specifically the joy that the shepherds were filled with after their encounter with the angels and seeing Christ and then proclaiming that joy as they went out, joy being a supernatural delight in God. And then this morning we're going to wrap up this year's Advent teaching with a look at the angel's role of the story. Okay? We're going to look at the angel's role of the story. So here we are in Luke 2. And just, just a quick disclaimer. Obviously, I have not lit any candles yet, so I'll do that while I'm doing my disclaimer. Advent can be done many different ways. So if you've been in church a while, you know it can be celebrated and talked about in different elements in different ways. And I've, I've not seen necessarily one way that's better than another, but I think it's good to have different variations of it, whether you're talking about the peace and love and hope and, and mercy and that version, or you're talking about the characters of the story or the places of the story, kind of how we've mixed it up this year. But uh, let's see if I can do this correctly. Awesome. And I'll use the stairs getting back up. I don't trust my knees going back up. <laughs> but this year we've just taken a different approach. And so the, the four candles can mean different things. And so instead of going into an explanation of what that is, you can look it up and realize it. It's just kind of a tradition that we've done in each candle representing each week leading up to the final candle that will light Christmas Eve where we celebrate the birth of Christ. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. This is the word of God. Now you might be saying, hey, that's kind of the same passage that Cleef did last week. Yes, it is. But there are different specific things we're going to look at it. And that's the beauty of the word of God. We could study the same passage for the rest of our lives, honestly and still continue to see and be spoken to by God new and different things that apply to our life. But this morning, again, like I said, we're going to specifically look at the role the angels played surrounding the birth of Christ, their significant role. They showed up more times with more individuals and groups in a shorter amount of time than any other place in Scripture surrounding his birth. Well, for good reason. One of the most significant days in history, the birth of Christ, history being split in two with it between before Christ and here we are after Christ. Some of these sightings of angels surrounding his birth are when the angel Gabriel visited Zechariah to announce the birth of John the Baptist in Luke 1 and then to Mary 
to announce the birth of Christ at the end of Luke 1, 26 to 33 were those verses. And then an angel then showed up to Joseph, Joseph being Mary's fiance, delivering a message from God that the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary hadn't been unfaithful. She hadn't disobeyed God and been with another man in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Joseph, it's okay. Wouldn't you, as Joseph's shoes men, want an angel to confirm that with you? It could be a very what's going on here moment, right? That's when it's in Matthew 1, 20 through 24. Following this, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, as we just read in this morning's text, then the angels appeared to Joseph again to warn him to flee to Egypt with Mary and Jesus to escape Herod. Herod, who would end up killing all of the male children in Bethlehem that were aged two and under. We often just skip past that. And we're not going to dwell on it this morning, but it should give us pause. How hard the enemy worked, Satan, through Herod, to keep this from happening. Killing every single two-year-old boy and under. I can't fathom living during that time and knowing that that was going on. After Herod died, another angel appeared to Joseph, letting them know that they could return to the land of Israel. That was in Matthew 2, basically 13 through 20 in those verses. And then showing up to Joseph, possibly another angel in another dream, warning them and telling them to travel to Galilee, which is where they ended up settling. And that's in Matthew 2, 19 through 23. I can't help but think that Joseph, after this multiple experiences with angels, the whole rest of his life, he kept always just wondering, when's the next one going to be? When's he going to next? And maybe even getting to the point a few months afterward going, God, where are you? Why aren't you sending angels to continue to talk to me? Maybe you've experienced that. You have some high moments in your faith. And then there's a season that feels dry and like the desert and you're wondering where God is. Well, he's still there. He's still talking to us, maybe just in a different way. Or perhaps we've strayed and wondered, well, he, the good shepherd, is still out front leading. When you study the scriptures, do that. Put yourself in these characters' shoes. What would it have been like to be them? Think through what they might have thought, what you might have thought if you were in their shoes. It will help bring the word of God to life for you as you study and look at it. That was free. That wasn't even in my notes, okay? Christmas gift for you, number one from me. You're welcome. Just (laughs) moving on, moving on, moving on. So angels have appeared all these times to all these different people. Well, what exactly are angels? We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I thought it would be important to just kind of do a quick overview of what theologians and scholars have looked at as far as angels go so we don't become tempted to worship them or we don't misconstrue what they really are. First of all, they're spiritual creatures that at times took the form of humans. I believe they probably still do at point in times today. But we know for sure in Scripture that they were spiritual creatures that at times took the forms of humans. And I have a bunch of Scripture references backing up what I'm saying here. If you want them, email me and I'll send them to you, okay? As opposed to just going through all of them because there's a bunch. They are superior to humans in some ways in knowledge and wisdom. And in other ways, less than human. Okay? 
Some, in some ways, they're superior to humans, and in other ways, less than. Angels are also moral agents in that they can choose right and wrong. Have you ever thought about that? They're moral agents, and we see that because Satan, when he rebelled against God, and we see this, I'm going to say this reference, Revelation 12, 1 through 9, where we see where Satan rebelled against God, and he was kicked out of heaven, there were a third of the angels that went with him. Well, they had a choice to make, to stay with God or to leave. Angel, Satan was often described as like the chief angel, like one of the top. And he chose to rebel against God and leave. Angels were created to worship, and they were also created to help us in our salvation. Help us along the way to show up at different times and places to inspire, protect, uh, help in different ways there. And while we might not spend a whole lot of time speculating on what they might have looked like, you know, there's the artist imagery that we're familiar with, with wings and halos and all sorts of things there. Scripture doesn't specifically say that, except in they were showed up in human form and that they were bright they, scripture does describe that almost every single interaction that a human had with an angel, the angel had to begin it with, don't be afraid. So we know that they were impressive spiritual creatures. So much so that people wanted to bow down and worship them and had to be told, no, I'm, I am not God, I am not Jesus. The angels having to tell who they appeared before, you know, don't worship me. And then I believe one of the primary things that we should remember that we're going to keep in mind today is that what their name means, what the word angel in Greek means. And that means one who brings a message. The Greek word being angelos. Hopefully I said that correctly. But it means one who brings a message. And so what we can learn from the angels, specifically in their role surrounding the birth of Christ, is exactly what we're going to look at today in our text. And we're going to make four observations as we do that. Okay? Four observations as we look at this. Luke 2, verse 8. Jump back there. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Okay, so first off, the angel appeared to the shepherds. This is our first observation. God sent the angel, and the angel went. It showed up. The same is true for us. God draws us in through his love and his grace and mercy by initiating it for us through the cross, through the birth of Christ, clear back from creation, before creation, to today draws us in through his love and his grace. It's by his kindness that he leads us to repentance. It's before we were ever even considering him. We were lost and broken and in bondage to our sin. He died for us. He draws us in with that. And then as he draws us in and we become aware of who he is and what he's done for us and we respond in choosing to believe in him and repent of our sins, he then sends us out. He then sends us out. Around here, we call it the GC squared life. The GC, the first version of that's the great commandment. The second GC is the great commission. Draws us in the loving God part. Okay? And then the loving others part is where we start going back out. 
loving God is who gives us the power and the strength and the source of that joy that Cleve talked about that overflows. And then we love others as we are filled up with God's love. And then beyond that, it's not, it's not just we hang out with only other believers, but he says, no, go. Go into all the world. The Great Commission part. And go out beyond the walls of the church, beyond the walls of your home. And see, being sent out to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to look different for each one of us. For a mother of young children, that going is going to look more like your living room. You have heathens that you gave birth to that you're raising. (laughs) Don't try to convince me they're not. Because if you're honest, you know they are. (laughs) Love them. Love them to death. Thank God made them cute, right? So we don't kill them. Thank God they made them small so they don't kill us. You know what I mean? But that's what it can look like for young moms. And then young moms, do you ever have to go to the store? What a powerful witness it can be when your kid is spinning out of control and screaming in the checkout aisle because they want a pack of gum and you're like, no way to handle that with grace and love and patience. What an amazing witness that can be to the people around you at the store and to that cashier or to even just say, you know what? How are you doing today? Can I pray for you? Is there anything I could pray for you about? Whoa. I'd love to see the look on their faces when you ask them that. My wife does a good job of that. And oftentimes, she puts me to shame. I've been in line with her and she'll ask them, and, oh, well, I'll be praying for you in that. And they're like, I'm like, there she is doing it again. And I'm over here just keeping my mouth shut, just loading the cart, not saying anything. It's, it's good. For others of us, it can be within our workplaces. It can be within our community. Your coworkers, uh, if you own your own business, the people you work for, they work for you, you work with, clients. Uh, you have all sorts of opportunities. I can't tell you how many times I would show up at a house to do an estimate to do a remodel job back when I was in construction. I'd end up doing marriage counseling on the scene <laughs> because they're arguing over paint colors and how much it's going to be and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is really awkward, but their marriage and their salvation is far more important than this job. And for others, it's to go farther like it is for the rules. It's to pack up and go and leave everything behind as it has been for the Phillips and uh, the other missionaries that we support, the people who translate Bibles that we support and they go and they go to places and have to learn the language and translate the Bible into their language. We all have a role and a part to play in this. So our first point, our first observation here is to see that the angels went where they were sent. Where God is sending you, we should go. We should show up. That's step one. Luke 2.9, the second part of the verse here, we're going to look at for our second observation. It says, And the glory of the Lord shone around them. So our second observation is that the angels shone. They, sh- they shined would be a better way to say that. Sorry, Kathy. They shined. Kathy's our resident English professor. 
They shine. They illuminated all around them. And this is the, where we get the idea of halos, by the way, if you wondered where that came from. The halo being a circle of light with no beginning and no end and shining out around the angels. So specifically, though, what was shining? The awesomeness of that angel? No. It was the glory of the Lord that was shining around them. And especially for the shepherds in this moment in time, on a cold, dark night, one of the darkest times in history, the angels were shining the glory of the Lord. And see, when we go where God sends us, whether it's to our workplace, the grocery store, or overseas, we are to shine the glory of the Lord as well. Let our lights shine from the overflow of Jesus Christ inside us. It's like that joy that Cleef talked about last week where he had the cup that was overflowing where he just kept pouring in it and it was just overflowing and out. What greater opportunity do we have in life or more fulfilling of a purpose to go where God sends us and then to shine his glory, not ours? We're going to get into the embarrassing part in a little bit, but keep this in mind as we do. The glory of the Lord inside us that we reflect and overflow out into other people. Like the light that led the wise men to Christ that Tony talked about two weeks ago. Do our words, our choices, and our actions shine the light of Jesus Christ to those around us? Would your coworkers say that you are different than coworkers who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Would your neighbors say that you are different? than their neighbors who have no affiliation with the church. When you go through the checkout line with those kids, beautiful, cute little heathens, would that cashier, if asked after you left, say that you reflected the light and the glory of Jesus Christ as you did so? Just as the angels appeared to the shepherds and they went to where they were sent and then there were light in the dark sky shining as the light of Jesus Christ, they also proclaimed the good news, which is our third observation this morning. Verses 10 and 11 and 12 from our text. And the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in a city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, I wouldn't recommend starting off sharing the gospel with somebody. Say, fear not. They might think you're a little bit off. We're not angels. We're not that impressive in that way, right? But the good news is Jesus Christ. And the angels proclaimed it. And just as the angels did far more simply than show up and shine, they proclaimed the good news of the message they were given to deliver. Not only should our choices and our lives reflect Jesus Christ inside us, we must also tell others about him. 
It is just not simply enough to only tell others about him without our life showing it because then we would look like a hypocrite, right? But if we only show it with our lives but never say it, how will they ever hear the good news? This is not out of duty, but this is out of the overflow of that joy. It is the overflow of Jesus Christ in us and an acknowledgement and understanding of what he has done for us, our worth because of the cross and our unworthiness because of our sin coupled together. Luke 10, 14 through 15 implores us to take action in proclaiming the gospel. How then can they call on him if they, I'm sorry, let me start over. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, we must go when we're sent. We must show up and we must proclaim. Now let me make sure you guys understand here. It's, oh, Matt, it said preacher. That means it's you. No, <laughs> it's not just me. Preacher here means someone who proclaims. It's not a job title per se. It's someone who proclaims. You see, I'm not the so-called hired professional. I'm definitely not the professional. Every one of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior have the opportunity to serve him in this way. He calls us into it. And honestly, we will not fill the purpose and the satisfaction in loving him and knowing him without doing so until we are doing what he's created us to do. Now, some Christians might say that they're too scared to bring it up because they're embarrassed or don't want to offend. Others might not want to bring it up because they're afraid they don't know enough. They're not knowledgeable enough. Here's the thing. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know more than that person who doesn't know him because you know him living inside you. And yes, we have an opportunity and responsibility to learn and grow in the word of God. Absolutely. But if you know Jesus, that is enough. And so in response to that, in response to that fear, in response to potentially being embarrassed or to look like we don't know enough, uh, yeah, we go to church and yeah, we say we know Christ, but they ask us a question we don't understand or know. I say we must look at what it is we believe about this in order that our behavior might change. You see, if our appearance before man is more important to us, than to express our love for God in this way, then of course we will never have enough courage to proclaim the gospel to somebody else. If it is more important for us to be right and knowledgeable than it is about worshiping our Savior by sharing the good news, His good news to others, we will never be knowledgeable enough. But if we truly believe that Christ did pay it all for us, as we sang, did everything for us, and we, he will continue to give us what we need, when we need it, we will proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ.
if that's what we truly believe. And just to offer some encouragement in this, my experience in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not about knowing the whole Bible. It's really more about listening. Everybody has pain. Everybody has needs that aren't being met. And if you're willing to witness or listen to that and you're willing to empathize with them in that and they truly see that you care. This isn't a, I did my good deed, notch my belt, I shared the gospel today. This is a, I really care about you and I really care about your life and I really care about your soul and your eternity. They will see that. They will feel that in your conversation and how you're listening. And oftentimes it's as simple as, you know what? I am sorry you are going through that and you've had to face that. And as I have had hard times in my life, I have found the only hope that I have, the only way that I can press on is through Jesus Christ and relationship with him. If you would like to know about that hope, I would love to tell you about him. It can be that simple. If you'd like more information and more details and more tools and resources, there's tons, tons out there. Just You can Google it. Some of them are good, some of them are not. But we did do a sermon on it on March 10th. So if you get on our website, look at our, under a sermon, scroll back down to March 10th. The sermon title was How Not to Witness. It was in our Jonah series. Pull that up. Listen to it again. If you're looking for more opportunities and places to serve, more opportunities and places that you can share the gospel, come to the missions conference. Keep your eyes open and your ears attentive, but at the missions conference, there'll be all sorts of opportunities where you can do that. Places to serve like uh, CareNet out of Neosho, Crisis Pregnancy Center, Crosslines here in Anderson, volunteer at Crosslines. There's been multiple opportunities as I've been able to serve there to pray with people and share the gospel, even in just split-second conversations. Knoll Community Baptist Church, reaching the Karen people. Of course, Angel Tree, as we did yesterday. We're prayerfully considering what are ways that aren't on Cowder and Leslie's shoulders, but what are ways that Angel Tree can be something of a more impactful year-round. We need more people with more ideas to consider that and think about that and how that can be. As a foster parent, and many other ways. Just as the angels went where they were sent, they shined, shone, shined, reflecting the light of Jesus Christ with their appearance and lives, and they proclaimed the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ, which meant salvation for all who choose to trust and believe in him. And we too are to do that, to go and do likewise. The angels also praised God throughout it. And this is our fourth observation. They praised God throughout it, just as we are too. Luke 2, 13 through 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The longer I live, all of 44 years now, I know I'm just a young pup for some of you. For some of you, gosh, he's old. But the longer I live, it seems the harder that life can get. 
and be. And I am increasingly becoming more and more convinced that one of the most powerful ways that I can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and I can be a witness for others is praising him no matter how things are going in my life, no matter how the circumstances are. If you have been around somebody who is on their deathbed and they are still praising God, even though in perhaps tremendous amounts of pain, there is nothing more impactful than that. And I've had the pleasure to witness that several times. And right now, Marcella's sister is doing that very thing. A woman who is in that place and she said, how can I pray for you after I prayed for her? And just bring you to your knees. This woman is about to see Jesus Christ face to face and she's praying for me. What greater impact can that be? Or someone who's grieving the tragic loss of a loved one, but yet continues to trust God and praise Him anyway. It doesn't mean they don't grieve. It doesn't mean they don't mourn. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But to still choose to praise God and trust Him with a plan, there can be no greater impact or witness. And even the person who seems to be wildly successful at everything, but instead of taking credit for it themselves, they give all the praise and glory to God, despising the fame and praise that man is trying to bestow on them. It can be an incredible impact and witness. You see, praising God helps us keep things in perspective because we can't truly praise Him without considering first who He is and what He's done. See, it's all about him, not us. We are saved because he made us so through the cross. His plan of redemption and salvation that began with a humble birth that was predicted hundreds of years before in a small, out-of-the-way, tiny little town, not even considered big enough to be a part of the tribe, first witnessed by the shepherds, the blue-collar workers of the era, the everyday folk. I love that about the story. I wasn't witness to the royalties first and the kings and the queens and the wealthy. It was to the poor, the hard workers. And then the angels sent as God's messengers and they went. They reflected the glory of the Lord to the shepherds and they proclaimed the good news of the birth of Christ and then they praised God. Through a growing relationship with Christ, by His grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, we too can be like the prophecies of old, foretelling the coming of Christ, where He comes back telling the good news of Jesus Christ. We too can be like that little seemingly insignificant town of Bethlehem, though small, having an eternal and significant impact on history. We too can be like the shepherds who upon building, being filled with the joy of the Lord, letting that overflow as they left and proclaiming the good news of that joy to everyone they encountered after they left. 
And we too can be like the angels to go where and when we are sent. To reflect the glory of the Lord with our lives, with our words, with our choices, with how we spend our money. To proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ when we are there. Not just show it, but to tell it. And then to praise Him. To praise Him. You see, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the closest you'll ever be to hell and experiencing hell. The hard times here on earth. This is the closest we'll ever be. We have all eternity ahead of us with Him. No more tears, no more pain. No more sorrow. No more, I keep having to fix the same thing over and over at work because it keeps breaking. No more patients that treat you like garbage at the hospital. No more heathens at school trashing you because you're their teacher and actually giving them homework over Christmas break. Mom, no more little kids yelling and screaming and doing their pity party dance at the checkout aisle. Dads, no more mistaken identity in our careers. As opposed to in the one who saved us. Christmas time is about the gift of God. Jesus Christ. If you do not believe in him today as your Lord and Savior, Open up this gift early. You've got my permission. And receive it. Trust in Him. Believe in Him. If you already do believe in Him as your Lord and Savior and you receive this gift, then reflect on His glory this season. Reflect on what He has done. And let's not keep it to ourselves, shall we? Let's be messengers of the best news of Jesus Christ. I'd like to pray and then we have a song we can reflect on or sing together that we'll be playing on the screen here behind me and then after that I'll give us a little instruction for our mealtime that we'll be sharing together. Heavenly Father, God, this, this Advent season has been a blessing in reminding me of how you use every single part of this Christmas story to proclaim your name and the good news and the glory of the cross, of your plan of redemption and salvation through every character involved and even a town, if it's even considered a town. God, you are sovereign. You are omniscient. You are all-powerful. Working out every single detail behind the scenes that we can't even comprehend or understand. Let us respond to you in worship, God. We, we aren't even fully capable of worshiping you without your help. But yet you gladly receive it. So let us do so.
with our hearts, with our voices, with our lives, with our actions. Knowing that you're there for us to give us the strength when we are tempted to stray, when we are tempted to shackle ourselves back to that sin that you have saved us from, that you have freed us from. God, let this coming year, as we even look at the end of 2019, let let 2020 be a year that we proclaim you above all else in our lives. That you would remain supreme, God, in everything that we do. Because of you, Jesus.